welcome to the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. I'm your host, Lukna, the Action Accelerator, and today I'm flying solo. The Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast is a weekly podcast where we give you insight into the personality of successful sushi adoring entrepreneurs, showing you that success is all about having fun in and with your business without the hustle and the grinding. And today, do I have a special guest for you? It is the lovely Danai Escanaverino. I did it. I pronounced her name correctly. I was afraid not to do it, but I did it. Danai is a Latina serial entrepreneur. CEO of Luna Soul Media, a boutique digital agency connecting clients to the Hispanic and Latinx markets. She's an avid growth hacker, having delivered millions of global leads and sales for her clients and is a speaker at various industry events. As a 20-year old veteran of digital marketing and having been part of multiple acquisitions, Danai has worked with brands like Hallmark, QuickBooks, T-Mobile, Best Buy, eBay, and Ford. She has also won several awards, including the Latina Entrepreneur Award from Latinas in Business. Danai's ability to stay ahead of marketing trends and her absolute passion for delivering measurable results to her clients have earned her reputation as a multicultural marketing growth hacker. Danai, welcome! Hey, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled, thrilled to be here. <laughs> We've got another exciting entrepreneur on the podcast. So, Danai, let's dig in. The most important question of this podcast is, of course... What's your favorite sushi and how did you ever start your sushi journey? Okay, so it's so difficult to choose my favorite sushi because there's not one sushi dish that I have not liked in my entire life since I started eating sushi, but I do love spicy tuna. I love spicy tuna. Spicy tuna roll does it for me every time. (laughs) I love it. And when did your love for sushi start? So I was 21, which was 24 years ago. And I used to live in Miami and I went on a date. We went to South Beach and he took me to this little sushi restaurant and I absolutely fell in love, not with the guy, but with the sushi. It was love at first bite. And the guy, I don't even remember his name, but... I do appreciate that he introduced me to sushi. (laughs) Well, what made you create that love at first bite? What was it about the sushi that you just went, my God, where have you been all my life? Oh my goodness. Just first of all, I love seafood. There's no seafood that I don't love. So to be able to eat seafood and experience the actual flavor of the seafood not being covered by the cooking process or anything like that, and to just like wasabi and ginger and like, you know, the, the soy sauce. And then I think that was also the first time I had like a dynamite roll. Ooh. And so all of these flavors, I was just like, hello, thank you. And I loved it. Oh, great, great, great. Well, what we also ask our guests always is, if you, then I, were a sushi, what would the ingredients be and why? Ooh, that's a good one. I think, really? 
Get out of here. That's I want to know what he said. That's the team. He said attitude. So I think it would be a spicy tuna roll. I okay. Because, you know, I'm pretty straightforward. So it's that tuna, but I do have a kick and that's the spice. And yeah, I think that would be it. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Let's dive a little bit in you as an entrepreneur, because you're CEO of Luna Soul Media. You're into digital marketing. Take us on why that area of expertise. So I love digital marketing. I was introduced to digital marketing about the time I was 19. I was in college and, you know, there were no courses. There was literally no class that you could take. There was no degree, really. I went to school for journalism. And I did take marketing courses and stuff like that. But, you know, there just wasn't digital marketing. You were either going to go into technology or marketing. Yeah. And so I remember creating my first website, an HTML 1.0 on a Mosaic browser. Like, (laughs) I did that too. (laughs) And I loved it. I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the marriage of technology and marketing. And so I just stayed on top of it and taught myself year after year after year. And, you know, when things started changing, when social media came about, I just really stayed on top of it. I made sure that I worked with a lot of startups when I was younger, you know, and it was an exciting time because things kept on changing and evolving daily. Sometimes it felt like, and I just like it. I like the challenge of constantly having to learn. You Mm. can't just sit you know, and kind of just lean on your current knowledge. You always have to challenge yourself and learn. And so that's the part about digital marketing that I love that excites me. And then as far as the multicultural arena, I have a passion at being an immigrant. I have a passion for, you know, multicultural entrepreneurs and multicultural audiences and being able to connect brands with that audience and also to connect Latinx entrepreneurs and their brands with an audience and help them grow. And so I've been able to do that with the digital agency. And we primarily do that with our affiliate network, which is called MiraClick. And that, again, it allows creators who have these audiences, which it's an exciting time, really, to be doing this because, you know, sushi, (laughs) sushi and entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. When was that ever going to be an audience that somebody could access, if not now? And so just like that, there are so many diverse and different audiences with different interests and groups that are accessible now to brands that it's a no-brainer to me. It really is. Yeah. I resonate a lot with what you've said because basically entrepreneurship in the 21st century is mostly about you selling you, your personality, your quirkiness, because I can say I'm a coach, but there are so many coaches. And why would anyone want to choose between me or another coach if we have the same education, the same amount of experience, then the only defining factor would be price. Well, we know if you go into that route, then the cheapest gets the job, gets the work. But I think that one of the things that I've seen, at least the most successful one, is who really show their personality. And to be really fair, with the internet and social media, it's become so easy to do so, is you can show who you are and if you're willing to step into that. And it's one of the reasons why I always try to combine things that other people say, but you can't combine those things. I mean, one of the things of this podcast, 
I'm the one that thinks of how about combining entrepreneurship with sushi? They're both my passions. Ru says we can't combine them. There has to be a tribe that would love to connect with like-minded entrepreneurs who adore sushi so they can talk entrepreneurship, but also talk sushi. Because most of the time, at least that's what I found, is if you do not have your inner circle loving sushi as much as you do, you barely talk about it. It's even with our guests. If we ask them, do you know any other entrepreneurs who love sushi? They were like, I actually don't know. We've never spoken about it. I'm like, why not? That's true. I don't know who I know that loves sushi. I know I've gone out to sushi with a lot of entrepreneur buddies and we've enjoyed it, but we haven't really created a conversation around it. Funny, isn't it? And I found that and I'm like, well, why not? Why don't we have that? I mean, I'm fascinated by the question. What's the relationship between you loving sushi and your business? So I think it's the sense of adventure. I think it's a sense of being adventurous. So as an entrepreneur, and I can speak to it personally only, as an entrepreneur, I'm very adventurous. I love trying new things. And with food, I love trying new things as well. And so, I mean, sushi is an adventure of the palate, you know, so I think it's an element of being adventurous. Yeah, I love that. I've asked this question for a couple of guests and the majority says something around it's pure. So it's the pure you. So your authentic self comes out because it's raw fish with nothing if you consider the sashimi. But we add flavors to it to enhance the fish. Basically, it's not detracting from the fish. It's enhancing the flavor of the fish. And I think at least the ones that we've had up to this point are of the attitude and mindset of, I want me as the entrepreneur to come out because then I resonate with the people that I resonate with and I get a tribe surrounding me, which is what you do to me. You are a Latina. I sure am a proud one. (laughs) Where from exactly? I was born in Cuba. I came over when I was five years old and my father was a political prisoner in his youth. So, yeah, I mean, we came over here and the goal was to work hard for the American dream. Both my parents worked day and night and struggled. And I saw that. And what I took from that was a tremendous work ethic. And so, you know, I embody the American dream. I'm able to do what I love and be successful at it and, you know, just work hard. Yeah. Well, one of the things I'm very fascinated with that, because one of the things that I'm trying to get people to understand, because I was raised in a similar way. My parents are from Moroccan descent, so they moved from Morocco to the Netherlands. And one of the very first things that my father said to me, if you want to be successful, you need to work hard. And he even added to that, he said, you need to work twice as hard because you're an immigrant in a foreign country, which is what I exactly did. I had the mindset and mantra of we need to work hard 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 and I sacrificed a lot in the process and it did get me to certain level of success but I had to sacrifice a lot too and I thought and especially when I got a blast in the future with a manager an ex-manager of mine who has the same work ethic same passion same drive and when she was diagnosed with a burnout it really shook me because I thought oh my god if that can happen to you it could happen to me Because we're going at it in the same pace and the same drive. That was the horror scenario for me. I do not want to be out of capacity for nine months. The idea of being forced to do absolutely nothing was horrifying to me. So I went on a quest to discover 
to change the mantra of working hard leads to success, can we work smart and have fun and still be successful? Absolutely. You know, everything's a balance. Everything is a balance. So for me, I'm a mom and that's my why. And so being an entrepreneur, I've always worked hard, but I've also not missed a play, a baseball game. You know, I've been able to be president of the PTA. So I was able to do all of those things. And that means I couldn't be working nine to five sometimes. But the work ethic for me meant that, okay, so maybe, you know, yesterday and the other day I went to this meeting and I went to this ball game and I did this and I helped sew costumes or whatever. And then, you know, 8 p.m. at night to midnight, I might have to be answering a bunch of emails and following up. So, you know, and that's the reality. Yes, there is definitely the element of working smart, you know, a lot of automation, a lot of creating processes that, you know, work for you and that make you work smarter. But at the end of the day, especially as an entrepreneur, it's on you. And it's on your back. And so if you don't do the work and if you don't meet your clients' expectations and succeed and give them what they want and keep them happy, somebody else right behind you is willing to do it. So I think it's you definitely need to have work-life balance. You need to find things that give you joy outside of work so that you can re-energize. But, you know, for me, ultimately, it's about being disciplined and putting in the effort and delivering on your promise as a, you know, as a company. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that the things that you promise you need to keep, that's about it. I mean, you want to be known for being able to say what you do and do what you say at all times, because that is your reputation. In your introduction, you mentioned several clients, Hallmark, Best Buy, T-Mobile. There's a vast variety of clients there. Yeah, absolutely. And so with those clients, a few of them, we worked with them on events where we had Latina entrepreneurs. It's called Latina Mira. And we celebrate, elevate, and connect Latina professionals. And we help them, you know, find career opportunities, find opportunities to better themselves in their current careers, find opportunities for them as entrepreneurs in their businesses. And so this is definitely a community, a segment of the market that these brands were looking to reach. And so we were able to work with them to reach that market. Oh, I love that. I really love that. I know that here in the Netherlands, some do it too, because there are some groups within the Netherlands that just don't have the same, don't seem to have the same opportunities in the workspace that other people have. And it's so important to connect different organizations with them. And I really like that that it was T-Mobile because it's one of the Dutch company. We have it here and I really enjoyed that. And Hallmark, of course, I know because we have the postcards on sale here. So now we know a little bit about your business and what you do. If your business, Lunasol Media, were a sushi, what would the ingredients be? That's a great question. I think a volcano roll. (laughs) Now, for those people that are listening and thinking, what is that? Break it down into ingredients for us. Oh, man. You know, it depends. I found that based on the restaurant you go to, each one of them puts different things in a volcano roll. I know. Uh, So sometimes the volcano roll can be, 
you know, salmon and tuna wrapped with rice and the seaweed. And then on top, they'll lay, you know, God knows what else they want to put on there. It really depends. And so the reason I chose that was because we work with so many different elements of audiences that sometimes you just don't know what you're going to get. So sometimes you might be targeting Hispanic professionals in the tech sector. Sometimes you might be wanting to target, like I said, Latina professionals and Latina entrepreneurs. You know, multicultural audiences are super diverse. There's so many different segments that, yeah, that's what I came up with. Oh, I love it because a volcano is literally, they refer it to those sushis that are an explosion Literally an eruption in your mouth. So you're tasting all of these different flavors in one go. And you're thinking, well, oh, I recognize that. I recognize that. And, and I think that that's, at least from a multicultural perspective, is really something that is enriching everything Absolutely. that you're experiencing. So I love that you mentioned that one. One of the things that you've mentioned in your introduction, you're also a growth hacker. What does that mean? So what that means, you know, hacking in general means you're finding loopholes, right? You're finding ways to work smarter. You're finding ways to grow a company or grow a brand that is not the typical way you would do so. And so when we sit down with clients and they want to access certain markets, it's not always cut and dry. It's not always, oh, let's buy media or let's do a Facebook ad, right? Or let's pay for PPC on Google. Sometimes you really need to sit down and sit down with a group of people who are good at, you know, targeting certain segments or looking at different traffic sources and figuring out unique ways to access these markets and to deliver leads and sales to our clients. And so that's growth hacking. Yeah. And for the entrepreneurs that are listening, what are some of the tips you could provide them with how they can do it? So I would say find partnerships. I think partnerships where you align yourself with somebody who has an audience that you want to target, I think, but also offering them something in return, right? So I'm a big believer in giving and giving and giving. And, you know, Gary Vee, where he's like, jab, 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 right hook. I really believe in that. And so when you find people to align yourself with, make sure that you have something that they are looking for and not just the wonderful glory of knowing you, but really, really, what can you offer them to help their business or to help their audience? And so when you find somebody that you can partner with, that you align with each other's goals, I think that's one of the best ways to grow your company because you're not recreating the wheel trying to find that same uh, audience or that same client base. Yeah, and one of the things that I hear from entrepreneurs a lot about this is, but I don't have a very big email list. What can I offer in a partnership? You you can offer your services. Are you an accountant looking for people in a certain demographic? Find out who serves that demographic and then tell them, hey, you know, I can offer you free accounting services, or maybe I can offer my accounting services as an add-on to whatever service or product you offer your people. I'll give you a referral commission, an introduction commission, whatever. There are a bunch of different ways to structure a deal, but 
you always have something to give somebody because if you don't, why are you in business? Yeah, no, no, <laughs> I know. I know. And most of the time I'm really too surprised, but I see a lot of people that are saying, but I don't have a long email list. Or for example, in the podcasting world, people are actually asking, how many followers do you have when you apply to be a guest? And I'm thinking, but why do you want to know? It's only interesting if I am targeting the same audience as you are to know how many followers I have. And I believe that quantity is vanity numbers most of the time because you can have 150,000 followers, but if they're not engaging with you, then that number means absolutely nothing. It's just a vanity number you can claim to have, but if you can't put it, can translate that into money or into service or into value, then what's the point of, of that number? And it's better to look at quality audience that you want to reach and the engagement in the tribe than to look at vanity numbers. And to be really honest, I agree with you. Entrepreneurs are adventurous and creative and resourceful. So if you don't have a large email list, what can you do? There's always something you can offer someone else in exchange in a partnership. I really like that. I really like that. Indeed. So what is something that we haven't talked about that you are dying to share? Oh, boy. I have nothing. (laughs) Let me think about that. You're so excited about... Well, tell us about when you saw the request for guests for this podcast. What made you go, oh, I want to be a guest on that podcast? We were talking before, I love sushi. As a matter of fact... Okay, here's something I can tell you that is new and maybe exciting. After this, I'm definitely going out for lunch for sushi (laughs) to celebrate. (laughs) But um, I loved it because it's so quirky. You know, only now can you collaborate and find people in situations like this where I'm meeting with somebody who loves sushi and loves entrepreneurialism. And so where else can you find that? I love that because before we hit the recording button, you shared that you do not guest on podcasts as much as you want to. But when you saw this request, you were like, I'm on that. I want to be a guest on that podcast. And I love love that type of excitement because for me, to be really honest, I mean, last year I thought, oh, I must be the only one. He was as crazy about sushi as I am. I have to, that has, I'm probably really one of those crazy people that is just crazy. And what I love up to this point is I'm meeting so many people as crazy as I am about sushi and entrepreneurship. I'm going, oh my God, there's a whole world of people. I'm already envisioning bigger things. I'm already thinking, okay, can we create a book with all of these sushis and depicting entrepreneurs? Or can we do a a big virtual sushi party with all of the entrepreneurs? What can we create by partnering together and showing the world? It is so much more fun to get together around a quirkiness, something serious and something quirky and combine those two. You can create magic from that. So I'm always smiling every time someone says, oh, well, I love sushi. I want to be on your podcast. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. One of the things that I'm curious about is the recent events in the United States, because you live in the US. 
around a Black Lives Matter movement or you know, how do I say this? Has that impacted the Latina and Hispanic community in the U.S. in any way, shape or form? It definitely has. So, you know, like everybody else, Latinx people are very, very diverse, right? The one thing we share is that we all have a certain root that goes back to Spain, basically, or Portugal if you're Brazilian. Yeah. And so that said, you know, talking about black lives going way back in history, the slave trade was much larger in Latin America than it ever was in the United States. So we have so many Afro Latino in the Latin community, in the Latinx community. And so it definitely, definitely has an impact on the Latinx community. I mean, to say that it doesn't would just be would be a lie. You yeah. know, in my family, there's every single color in the rainbow. And I would say probably most Latinx families are like that. You know, we have so many different cultures associated with us. We have so many different colors, races that, um, yeah, it's definitely, you know, it definitely has an impact. And there are a lot of movements that are joining the Latinx community with the Black Lives Matter movement and stuff like that. Yeah, I was curious about that because it's been impactful here in the Netherlands alone in the U.S. itself. So as we wrap up, what do you want to share with our audience that they really, what you would be appreciative if they took away from this conversation? You know, I'm sure I've spoken about it quite a bit, work ethic. I really, really strongly believe, you know, and the reason I say that is because there are so many people that are given the promise of buy this ebook and you'll become a millionaire or follow my track and you'll be successful. And even in the coaching industry, you know, I'm sure you've seen it a million times where people will come to you and they'll be like, yeah, you know, I was working with a coach and they didn't really know what they were doing. And so a lot of that has to do with doing the work. And so entrepreneurs, they're, you know, I feel like somebody's born an entrepreneur. I don't feel like you can really make someone an entrepreneur. You either feel that drive or you don't. And so if you feel that drive and you really want to bring a product to market or a service to market, you know, make sure you do the work. And what I mean by work is make sure you have your business plan. Make sure you write down all the stuff you need to write down before you even start. Make sure you align yourself with people that are going to help you and make sure you do the work because you have to be willing to do the stuff that other people aren't. That's, you know, Lori Greiner from the Shark Tank series always says, you know, entrepreneurs yeah. are people who are willing to work 80 hours a week so that they don't have to work 40 hours a week for somebody else. Yeah. And so I work ethic, do the work. Yeah, I totally get that, especially entrepreneurs. And I've been in a job before I became a full-time entrepreneur. And I've always had a work ethic. Bear in mind, I shared earlier that I was raised with, you need to work hard. And there's still something of that in me. It's just, I don't sacrifice anything else. For me, it's all about harmony. And there are some days that is 100% about work. There are days where it's 50-50. So I spend time with my nieces and my parents and friends. And there's always something. And I enjoy what I do. So for me, it's not about, okay, I only do work from nine to noon and then it's that. I so enjoy what I do that it doesn't feel as work anymore. 
So, but I do believe in if you have a goal, if you want to achieve something, then you have to put your energy into it. You have to be willing to do the work to achieve that goal. It's not like six figures in six days just by reading an ebook. I wish it was so easy because then we would all be multi, multi, multi millionaire. We would not have poverty in the world. Absolutely. Or, you know, if you have an idea, that's great. Everybody has ideas, but you're not going to bring that idea into success if you're spending every weekend drinking with your friends. Yeah. You know, that's great and that's fine, but it's not going to give you what you want. You have yeah. to say, okay, well, maybe I need to spend the next couple of months working on my business plan, working on, you know, getting it to market. Yeah. And then you can celebrate with your friends once you have something successful to celebrate about. So yeah. that's what I mean by. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally get it because one of the things that I've done is I've removed the television from my house. So I do not own oh, wow. a television anymore. I don't. That doesn't mean I do not watch anymore, but I do it on my laptop. And I do it for, okay, I need it to relax. So I watch a specific series and then I'm gone again. But most of the nights, I'm doing some type of work. Not because I have to necessarily, but because I want to. I'm in the flow in that moment. So I can choose to focus on that thing instead of watching television just because... It's the end of the day. So I really love that you shared it, work ethic. So ladies and gentlemen, for those of you listening, work ethic is the essence of our conversation. So if people want to get in touch with you, Danai, how can they get in touch? So on Instagram, I'm at Danai.e. That's D-A-N-A-Y dot E. On Facebook, I am Danai.e. Twitter, I'm just Denai. I was able to get my Twitter account like way at the beginning before, you know, there were other Denais apparently. And you can always email me at Denai at Lunasol Media. And that's L-U-N-A-S-O-L media.com. Okay, we'll make sure that we add those links to the description. So if you're listening now and thinking, oh my God, that went so fast. I haven't taken notes. We will make sure that it's a click, with a click of a button, you'll be able to reach Danai, Danai, thank you so much for being a guest on the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. Thank you for having me. I had a wonderful time. I'm just now excited to go eat sushi for lunch. Uh, I'm having sushi for dinner, so. (laughs) That's right. You're in a different time zone. So we're both the same thing. So for those of you listening, thank you for listening to another episode of the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. We would love to know what has been your biggest takeaway from the conversation with Danai. Do take a moment and share this with us in our Facebook group called the Entrepreneur Sushi Club. You will find the link to this Facebook group in the description with this episode. And if you know anyone who will benefit from listening from this episode, please do share it with them. And I am looking forward to seeing you on the next episode. Have fun as always. Bye.